This is the Cedar Lake Christian Center podcast. We hope you're inspired and fulfilled by this week's sermon from Pastor Neil Hopper. If you would like to know more about us, visit clcc.church. I, um, I wanted to talk to you this morning about some things that in our thinking uh, that has to change. Uh, our thinking, uh, if you are, let, let me um, say it this way, if you are going to engage the mind of God and understand what is the mind of the Spirit, uh, you're going to have to, some things are going to have to change. And, uh, 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 you know, I'm always thinking about things and the way we think about things and how we, uh, we, uh, how we uh, can take truth and we, we believe we know what truth is. And then God opens up another layer and he shows us things. Um, one of the things that they said in one of the songs earlier that you need to understand is, is that you cannot afford to think one thing about yourself that God doesn't think about you. I'm going to let that marinate just a good minute. You cannot afford to think one thing about yourself that God doesn't think about you. Now, I didn't come up with that. People have said that for years, but it, there's such a truth in that that uh, I think sometimes we, we struggle because we struggle in our relationship with God. It's a spiritual thing, I get that, but there's so many things that can hinder your relationship with Christ, most of which are things you can deal with by the Word, that you can get the truth on those things. For example, I said it earlier about anxiety. If your anxiety level is up, I can get up here and give you five facts about five things that you need to know about how to hear God. And they can be sound biblical principles. But if your anxiety level, if you stay in a knot all the time, I promise you, you're going to have trouble hearing God. Some, some of the reasons that we don't hear God and some of the reasons that, I mean, even he's speaking through his word and we don't hear him. Some of those reasons are for reasons that, uh, like anxiety or fear or maybe even uh, shame. Some people don't worship. I've said this for years. One of the greatest hindrances to worship is I haven't really done well this week or maybe I did or said some things that I shouldn't have said, so I'm feeling a little bit ashamed, so I don't lift my hands and uh, because I don't think he really wants to hear from me, um, and that's not the truth. I said that's not the truth. Amen. So it's, uh, it's, you have to understand that the way you think has everything to do. I, I never thought about this until recently, uh, where Romans 12 talks about us being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why would God say that? Why, why do you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? So you can know what his mind is. You, you understand? What, what the word does for us, what Understanding the reason reading the Bible and scriptures, uh, you're not just reading it for knowledge, okay? You're not just reading it for knowledge. Um, there's something that's higher than knowledge. You can have revelation knowledge. You can have a lot of things. But one of my points this morning for you, and you can write it down if you want, is first of all, you need to understand 
that knowledge is always second to love. Amen? So let me say it a way that maybe I'll, I'll give you, um, say it a better way. Love is better than knowledge. Love is better than knowledge. You can be the smartest guy in the room, but we show what we know about God and uh, and, you know, if you have, we used to say it this way, if you have a better revelation of God, you ought to have a better love. If you have a higher revelation of God, you ought to have a greater love. So what do we know that the Bible teaches? Uh, knowledge puffs up. It, it'll cause you to be full of wind. Knowledge will puff you up if you're not careful. But love edifies. In other words, knowledge, uh, it'll, it'll puff you up, but love will lift you up. It will, and not only you, but it lifts up everybody around you as well. So the first thing you need to know this morning is, is that love is better than knowledge. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 through 12, I think it is. 1 Corinthians 8. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. What he's talking about here is in, in chapters 8, 9, and 10, he's going to deal with things in that culture where things are sacrificed to an idol. And he says to them, some of us come to a place that our conscience doesn't condemn us for eating the meat sacrificed to an idol. That's what he's addressing here. Your conscience doesn't condemn you, but if your conscience, if what you do is a stumbling block to your brother, he says, don't do it. Love him and love God enough and love him enough that your conscience don't cause him to stumble. So he says, take heed lest any means this liberty of yours, talking about the liberty to eat a thing, the liberty to do something spiritually. He's talking about because they consider this something that they were dealing with because my conscience won't allow me to eat it if I know it was sacrificed to, an, to a, another deity. So he says to them, he says, if by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak, for if any man see thee which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple. Shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered unto idols? And though thy knowledge shall, and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for who Christ died. In other words, he said, you've got knowledge, you know something, but you've caused your brother to stumble. We have, we have the, the, the mark should be, yes, I'm growing. Yes, I'm learning. But it's not just informational. It becomes transformational when it turns into love. Amen? It, be, it becomes, so why do we need the word? Why do we need to be transformed by the renewing of our word, uh, of, of our mind, so that we have the right thought processes, so that we're thinking God thoughts. Amen? And then, and then next, um, I want to talk to you about success has to be redefined. I'm talking about things this morning that have to be adjusted. Success has to be redefined. 
God wants to give you good success, Joshua 1 and 8. He wants to give you good success. But success cannot be defined by the carnal mind. Success cannot be defined. Let me show you this in Psalm chapter 1. I woke up earlier this week thinking about this. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's the King James Version. But if we were to look at it maybe in another version, I'll try uh, in the New Living says, Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked. You can't follow. The advice of the wicked, it will never be success. Amen? You're not going to find success following the advice of the wicked. So success has to be defined by doing the will of God. Success for me, uh, we, we would all like to be more successful bank account wise or education wise, but success can never be defined on the world's terms. Success for me has to be defined by taking the mind of God, the advice of God, the truth of the word and applying it to my life. For the believer, success must be measured by doing the will of God. Amen? Thirdly, we have to address in the body of Christ, we have to address a spirit of competition. You are not in a competition to be better than anybody. This church is not in a competition. I am not in a competition. Competition is another one of those things. The better than will always get you in trouble. Well, I'm better than they are. Well, I'm doing better than. We have this running joke at my house since, since our almost 30 years we've been married. My wife will say, well, you just got to do better. You, you know, it, it depends on how good I do. And, and some of y'all been around us long enough to know. Uh, sometimes she'll say, it doesn't matter how hard I'm trying. If she don't think I'm doing good enough, she'll say, hey, you just got to do better. But if doing better becomes a mentality, not just doing better, but doing better than, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because now I'm in a competition with somebody else. And every, every, uh, every woman knows, every man knows, there's always going to be somebody that's more handsome, there's more talented, more gifted. And so there's always going to be, ladies, another woman who's prettier than you. You think she just, you know, but here's what we do. We look, most of the time, we look from a distance and we see somebody that we don't even really know well. And we assume they've got it all together and that their, their life must be just, I mean, it's everything so organized for them. I mean, everything's in its place. Their, their, their hair's never, uh, you know, it's every hair's in place every time you see them. So if you're not careful, you'll get into a better than. You'll be, well, I wish I was like them. When the truth is, if you really got close enough to them to know them, you'd find out the same thing that everybody else knows, and that is they're human. There's not one person on the face of the planet that doesn't, uh, that doesn't have to deal with flesh, that doesn't have to deal with things. You say, but they're rich. They have plenty of money. I promise you every rich person I've known has dealt with something. 
there, there's just an understanding that you have to come to to be a part of the body of Christ and to be a part of the church. And one of those, you cannot be in a competition. You aren't in a competition with anyone. Phrases like this, they're so gifted and they're so anointed. It's okay to say that, but if in the back of your mind, every time you say that, you're saying they're gifted and they're anointed and I'm not, that's a problem. They can't be you and you can't be them. Every part of the body of Christ is necessary. Every single part. Let me say, here's what I was going to tell you. And then God began to correct me. I'm going to give it to you the way he gave it to me. Um, comparing doesn't, I, I was going to say, comparing will set you up for failure. But I want to say it differently and I want you to hear me. Comparing doesn't set you up for failure. Comparing is failure. It is Failure, living in a comparative lifestyle, and that's everything from the outward, the worldly things, things that we have, how much money we have, how, how I look. There are so many things that we compete. We, we have a competition mindset. I'm not in competition with any church because you can't be Neil Hopper and I can't be you. I'm the best me that I know. And so one of the things that God does when we talk about liberty, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Uh, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Now, the first thing Christ made us free from was performance or the law. I'm not keeping the law. I'm not. But there's also this liberty that comes when you know I've been set free just to be me. I'm significant, I'm important. I, I'm, I mean, you're, you've been set free and one of the things that you were set free to be was you. You, just you. Now, does that mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you about things or conviction? Understanding conviction will come on some things. Understanding that just because I'm convicted, I'm not in shame. Understanding that conviction comes to, for God to show me areas of my life that are hindering our fellowship, not hindered my connection. I'm already connected to him. He will show me things. He'll convict me about things. He convicts us to show us things that are hindering our fellowship. Okay. You got that? He doesn't convict me for me to get into shame. And so a lot of the church, and you know this, a lot of churches will preach conviction you know, with that long finger pointing out there, telling you just how absolutely bad you are. And, uh, and most of us already know our bad parts, right? So how does that play into me hearing the voice of the Father, me fellowshipping Him daily, me having a good understanding? Well, He sets you free to be you. And anything that would take your attention and mind off of you just being you and the Father, now all of a sudden I'm in a competition because I, I, I just see how, we use words like this, I see how anointed they are. And we will compare anointings. But, I, you know, you, you Christian people will sit around in a room and say, I think brother so-and-so is more anointed than so-and-so. What? Somebody's more anointed than somebody? Man, he's, he's used in the gifts. That's, that's religious nonsense. That's not God. You, we don't, uh, there's, a, there's a verse that I want you to hear. 
in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Some of you have heard this before. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, I'm measuring myself by by themselves. In other words, we get in a room and I'm measuring myself against this one or this one. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Say it the country boy way, Brother Neil. The stupidest thing you could do is to compare yourself to somebody else. I know that's not fancy preaching, but it's true. Please don't do that. Because look, if, you, if you've been around long enough, as long as I have, look, you, you think, boy, I, you know, I can't preach like him, do like this. I can't, can't play a piano like him. I can't play drums like this guy. I can't, man, I just can't do anything. Yeah, but you may be way better at loving people and being patient. You, you may be, I appreciate their gift, but I've seen people come off the stage, and this is no slap at people who are gifted and anointed to sing and do that. I've seen people come off the stage. I remember one time there's this preacher, wasn't at this church, but it was another church that I was at. This preacher, he came and he was he was pretty famous. He was on TBN all the time and all that. And this is more than 30 years ago, so just I ain't throwing a rock at anybody who's out in the public eye right now. And I can remember thinking, boy, he's a butt. Man. He sure is gifted. He's got a gift, but he's kind of a butt to deal with. Don't look at me like you ain't thought the same thing about somebody before. They're hard to deal with. You know, they're gifted, they're anointed, but you know what? You may be way better at dealing with people on a personal level and showing them love and patience and grace than he is. It's obvious after spending a minute in his presence, I was way better at dealing with people than he was. I didn't stick my chest out and go, I'm better at dealing with people than you are, brother. I'm more gifted than you. No, I I just thought God will deal with him about it or he won't. It'll be a hindrance for the rest of his days. You can't, you can't do that. You can't spend your days uh, you can't, you, you can, you're just going to waste a whole bunch of time. You know what I mean? You're just going to waste a lot of time, uh, always looking outward, always comparing yourself, always, uh, it's, let's say it another way. It's hard for you to live in the moment, this moment, right now, where we are, soaking up all that God has for you this morning in worship, in fellowship, just soaking up the love of God and being present in the moment when you're so worried about other things and other people. What they think, well, wonder what they feel about me. Wonder, wonder about, you, you can't, one of the best things I could tell you is, and it's one thing that I'm, I'm, I've got to do better on, okay? Being in the moment. Being in the moment. Because I like to think about Moving forward, what we're going to do tomorrow and next week, planning. and Those are things that people get caught up in in business and in, 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 in pastoral ministry or life or getting your job done or doing whatever you do. You can get so caught up in what you're doing that you forget to live in this moment right now. The Father trying to minister to you. The Father giving you clear truth. 
The Father saying to you, "There's a you're going to wash in the pool of Siloam and that mud that's been on your eyes is going to come off and you're going to see things differently. You, you really are. It's, it's going to be an opening of the eyes and nobody had to sin to get me here. You know, it, it, you go, you just say, there's a brand, there's a, I've been under a mud anointing, but I'm about to wash that bad boy off. Amen. And then lastly, and we'll go home, is individualism has to change. It's, it's not that you can change being the individual that you are, but how can I say this? Our, our simple way. Our we has to be bigger than our me. Our we always has to be bigger than our me. Our we always has to be bigger than our me. In other words, um, we are... 1 Corinthians 10, 17, we're one bread in Christ Jesus. We are one body, one people in Christ, okay? Uh, when years ago, for those of you who weren't around here back then, Dr. Kelly Varner used to come here um, years ago. Phenomenal preacher, uh, writer, author. But Dr. Kelly Varner used to say, uh, he used to say, uh, wine's found in the cluster, not in the grape. Wine is found in a cluster, not in a grape. You ain't going to get much wine out of one grape. But if you can crush a cluster, if you can allow the cluster to be crushed. So you have to get a different mindset in the body of Christ. And this goes along with something I shared earlier. When you win, I win. When you win, I win. When you hurt, I hurt. Your purpose, yes, see, let me, uh, I, I want to adjust this, but I, I'm, I'm not, again, I don't want to throw a rock at people, but I understand terminology in today's world. We use a lot of preachers, I say we, pre, I'm talking about preachers, ministers, people who communicate. They use a lot of terminology like in your life. Well, you need to something, something in your life. Something, something, something's coming in your life. Well, Okay, I'm with that. Okay, I got you. I'm hearing you. But let me ask you this. If I'm, it's, it's coming in my life, yes, and I, I'm, I don't doubt that. We all have individual purposes, but the greater purpose is the body. The greater purpose is his church. The greater purpose is what he wants to do through all of us, not just through one of us. So here's, here's my thought. If, if we're connected and God does something in my life, shouldn't the first evidence of that be that it begins to it begins to flow out into your life? Okay, if God does something in you and we're in the same body and in the same community of faith and God does something for you, then shouldn't I rejoice in that? I mean, if he does something in me, expect that to flow out of me and, and to, other, to the people around you. One of the ways you can know when God is speaking to you and when God is doing a work in you is that the first thing will happen is you'll begin to think of it in terms of how that impacts others. It's others. It's that, it's that mentality that says it's the we that's bigger than the me. Does he need sometimes to do something in me so that I can do something in others? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But the we always has to be bigger than the me. And I just, I think we have a lot of 
rugged individualism in the church. I, I mean, I, I say that, use that terminology um, because I know that uh, we are all individuals and we all have individual purpose. But, but let me let you think about something. Think about the fact that what God does in your life, yes, it impacts you, but if, if you begin to be the central theme of everything in the world, now you're the center of your own world and he can't be the center if you're the center. And if it's all about me, 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 it, 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 it doesn't work that way. It's the reason serving in some capacity in the church is so important. So your purpose is important. Our purpose is more important. Your purpose, your purpose has to be because your purpose is going to flow out and strengthen our purpose. So I'm not saying that the phrase in your life or God doing something individualistic in you or he's setting you free or doing something. I'm not saying that's not important. It is important, but I'm saying we have come to a place where people come to church to get their blessing and that, and poo on you. They don't care if you get yours. And sometimes you have to have a different mentality, a mentality that says, man, I didn't get a word today, but this young man got a word. Praise the Lord. God, man, listen what God's doing in him. You know, that's just, that's how the spirit moves. That's how God functions. So, you know, if, if I said it a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit really moved in here and we had, um, and I'll close with this. We had an entire morning where we took, uh, and I, and we shared from uh, re- rejoice in the Lord And again, I say rejoice, right? So we shared from that passage of scripture, but let me let let you think about something in this way. Um, I'm looking for a scripture in 1 Thessalonians. Um, I heard Bill Johnson say this one time. What if I challenged you this morning and I said to you, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 16, rejoice evermore. What if I just challenged you that the one spiritual discipline you had this week was to rejoice evermore? Can you rejoice evermore? Now, think about it. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So then he comes back in 1 Thessalonians And he says, rejoice evermore. And he's going to give you, I think, somewhat of a prescription to do that. He's going to say, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. See? But if I gave you one, if I just bowled it all down this morning and said, you think you could learn how to rejoice evermore? Man, if I, you know, uh, it's a discipline for me. It's a spiritual discipline for me. Uh, say it another way. I don't do so good at that. Or say it a better way. I need to do better. Amen? I need to do better. Like, it's something that I have to train myself to do. Can you rejoice when somebody else gets a breakthrough, a blessing, Can you rejoice 
when God does something for them. If you count it as the whole, if you count my breakthrough as your breakthrough and and his word is your word. Why? Because we're one people, we're one bread, we're one body. Now all of a sudden, I can learn how to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Don't despise prophesying. Prove all things and hold fast what's good. Prove all things. When he said prove all things and hold fast that which is good, don't you think it would be pretty, even in our attitudes, hold fast that which is good. That's not a good attitude. I probably need to get rid of that. It's just not a good attitude. So, you know, there's some spiritual disciplines that we need. These are just adjustments that I believe we're making as we're walking into this new time that God has given us, this new place, this new portion that God is giving us into a brand new year. If, if we just did these things, if we just understood that our we is always greater than our me, <laughs> the we is greater than me. If you're not in a spirit of competition, you ain't in competition with nobody. Calais, move away from that. That is one of the most deadly things. Success has to be redefined. My success and your success isn't based on bank account or anything else. Our success is based on doing the will of God. In other words, say it another way, being obedient. Now, I wish I had time to tell you. I don't have time to tell you this morning, but if I had time to tell you, I'd tell you that being obedient is sowing to the Spirit. My whole life, I've read Galatians, and it said, he that sows to the flesh... It's going to reap a whirlwind. It's going to be corrupt and it's going to be bad. But he who sows to the Spirit, and for 30 years I've said, God, I need to know how to sow to the Spirit. What do I need to do? Does money become spiritual when I give it in the offering? It does. Does my praise and worship, am I sowing to the Spirit? It does. But in a nutshell, it's called obedience. When I make a sacrifice, am I sowing to the Spirit? Yes, yes. But if we want to boil it all the way down, how do I sow to the Spirit? I sow to the Spirit. I sow to the Spirit just by being obedient. So if the Word says rejoice evermore, I'm just going to be obedient to that. And I'm going to ask God to teach me how to do that in every situation. I'm going to ask Him to help me define and redefine what success is. I'm going to ask Him to cause me to understand that love is better than knowledge. Do you understand how powerful that statement alone is? If you could just, if you could just learn to love people. I know you're smarter than they are, but are you smart enough to love them? I, I know you're wise, a oh wise one, but can you just love somebody? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can, it, it, you, can, you can know more than them all day, but can you just love them right where they are? Amen. You're never more like your father than when you're loving people. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Oh, it's been a good day. Hallelujah. Would you just bless his name and give him a hand clap of praise? God, we give you glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Now I'm just going to pray a quick prayer over you. 
And I want you to be open. If you've been in the competition thing, I'm asking you to get before the Lord right now in this prayer and say, God, help me not to compare myself with other people. Holy Spirit, every time I start to compare myself with others, show it to me. Show it to me so I can deal with it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to compare myself with others because comp- that's failure already. You've already failed and you ain't even got started yet. Help redefine success. Maybe I've had a wrong view of what success looked like. And we watch the TV enough to know what the world says. This is what success is. And I'm telling you, success is doing the will of your father. Success is walking with him every day. Your position has always been to walk with him in the cool of the day. Not to try to make that happen. Don't let anxiety and shame keep you from that happening. Your success is defined by walking with him in the cool of the day every day. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord God, for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord that anxiety and shame is broken in Jesus' name. Spirit of competition, comparing, competing. Lord, we break its power. We break the strength of it. If there's people in here this morning that are comparing and competing, Lord, Holy Spirit, open open their eyes. Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us define what success looks like. Thank you, thank you for helping us stay in the moment, right in the moment, in this moment where you want to visit us right now. Not living out of my past and not living in the future, but knowing that this moment is powerful. This moment, you're with us. This moment, there's a door open. This moment, there's fellowship taking place. Help us to live in the moment. And God, we will forever give you the thanks and praise. Adjust us, O oh God. Help us not to think one thing about ourselves that you don't think about us. Correct us and convict us that we might know your will and do your will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the liberty of the Lord. Thank you so much for coming. Have a good day. Yes.